0: On the Record with Gavin Riley, Brought to you by PwC. On News Talk.
1: Now, as I mentioned before the break, one country uh, in Europe which has been historically neutral is today about to announce that it's going to be spurning that path. We heard on Friday from Finland, which has announced that it is going to seek membership of NATO. In fact, it might officially lodge its membership, potentially as early as today. But we're likely to hear in the next couple of hours as well that Sweden is also intending to join NATO. Uh, Philip O'Connor is a freelance journalist in Stockholm. He joins us on the line. Uh, Philip, thank you for joining us this lunchtime.
0: What's behind this? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think everything changed on the 24th of February, Gavin, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Sweden has a very, very long and proud history. It hasn't been involved in a war in over 100 years. And what they were very proud of was not so much neutrality, but what they called freedom of alliance. So Sweden basically retained the right to make whatever alliance or none that it felt necessary at any given time. They've always been very close to NATO. Denmark are in NATO. Norway are in NATO. And as you mentioned, Finland actually announced this morning that they're going to join NATO. But the moment that Vladimir Putin and Russia invaded Ukraine everything changed. I think the Swedes looked at that and they went okay well if it can happen to them it can happen to us and just you know people would say to you Gavin that okay so Sweden has no land border with Russia but where we are here on the edge of the Baltic Sea, we're on the western edge of the Baltic Sea, on the other side of that sea are Latvia, Lithuania and Estonia three republics that were part of the USSR but you also have Kaliningrad just south of there which is where the the Baltic Sea Fleet, the Russian Baltic Sea Fleet has long been based. Mm. So even though they don't share any sort of a land border the Swedes have long felt under threat probably since the end of the Second World War that an invasion might one day come and today it's likely that the Social Democrats who are the, so the leading power in a minority government at 6 o'clock this evening Central European time they're going to hold a press conference and it would be amazing if they said anything other than that they intend to join NATO under the lifetime of this government.
1: Yeah I suppose you don't call a, a Sunday night press conference unless you're if you're planning to announce no change to the status quo so you have to presume that the mood music is all there. Um, tell me about the the scent of Sweden's uh, uh, naval or military capability. Is, is it a country which habitually gets involved in in other stuff in peacekeeping or in foreign interventions or, or does it very much keep itself to itself
0: well, you know, I always sort of wondered about this term neutrality because they've never been really neutral. They've always had their alliances alongside NATO nations, alongside the United Nations. Uh, Irish and Swedish troops would have served together in places in the Middle East. They've been on the ground in Afghanistan, in Central Western Africa, and places like that. So it would be reasonably traditional military power in the region. So you know, they would have um, governed Norway at times into parts of Russia, parts of Finland. There's still 10% of the Finnish people who speak Swedish uh, down into Europe as well. And of course, if you go back before then, the Vikings were the original pillagers and raiders in Europe or among the originals there so they're also a very high tech army so the army wouldn't be big you're talking about a nation of just over 10 million people and it has gradually been reduced since the fall of the Berlin Wall so last week I went to the island of Gotland <clears throat> pardon me which is sort of a, that's they called the canary in the coal mine here. You know, they they talk about waking up and the Russian being on Gotland. And there it was very heavily militarized until the end of the the Cold War. So when the Berlin Wall came down, gradually they started to sort of take away that military capacity to the point where at the beginning of this century, it basically didn't have anything at all. There was no garrison, there was nothing there. And now they're starting to build that back up. And there was sort of, you know, inklings that that was going to go on. But certainly since the end of February, that process has certainly gained pace.
1: Um, I know that ultimately the 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 stated goal of of any country joining NATO would be for its own national defense. And pe- people can argue what it might have other consequences, or whether it means that you end up becoming more aggressive. But being in the circumstances that we're in, and Russia being in the mood that it's in, and having already uh you know told Finland what it has done by saying that Finland joining NATO is is almost a provocative act. And given that Sweden is, is within easy distance from that Kaliningrad, the Baltic Sea port, um, is there a danger that this could be seen as an act of aggression and that might be met with something of an aggressive response, or do you think that has already been factored into Sweden's thinking?
0: I think it's definitely been factored into their thinking. I think it's without a shadow of a doubt that is going to happen, right? It has been very much a defensive move on Sweden's part, right? So they're looking towards preserving their own borders, preserving their own security. But the the, the flip side of that, you know, is is that you're basically handing Vladimir Putin a propaganda victory. But So he has said that this invasion of Ukraine, it's about NATO expansion. It's about stopping NATO expansion, not having NATO on his doorstep. Uh, he doesn't want to see that any more countries join. And all of a sudden, two countries join. So he can go back to his parliament and back to people and say well what did I say you know this is NATO this is what they've been trying to do all along so it really does hand him a sort of a victory there and on the other side of that coin though I do think that Swedes will feel an awful lot better I think people will sort of sleep better in their beds at night knowing that they will be defended but nobody has really looked at the other side of that coin that hang on a second you might actually have to go to war on behalf of you know a Turkey that has been attacked, a Finland has been attacked, Estonia has been attacked I don't think people have really sort of thought about what that means and whose sons and daughters are going to be asked to go and to fight and to die for a fight that has very very little to do with Sweden and some other part of the world
1: which of course as you know is the main argument that's ever put up against it whenever it's proposed here that you'd be sending uh, Irish men and Irish women off in in uniform to go and die in someone else's battle potentially yeah. um, what if is I the... could interrupt you sure. there's,
0: there's also another part of this right so when Sweden goes into the EU you're going into sort of a, you know I'm a, a, oh, sorry the EU when they're joining NATO you're joining in a, a very big organisation that's already existed right so one of the sort of subplots that's playing out here I was talking to a man who's in, a member of the Kurdish community here in Sweden this morning and he was saying that he's very worried and there are many Kurdish refugees here from the wars of Saddam. Hussein and from Turkey, one of the most persecuted peoples in the world. And he was saying, We expect to be sold out to Erdogan now in Turkey, because obviously he's been battling against the Kurds there for years. He has accused the Swedes of harbouring terrorists in the form of the PKK, the Kurdistan work, uh, the People's uh, Workers' Party there. So all of these things now come into play. So it's not just as simple as filling in a form like you're joining a gym in Dublin 24. You know, there's an awful lot of horse trading that will go on, and there's an awful lot of politics and geopolitics that will have to be gone through mm. before Sweden becomes a member. And again, you will have people who are sort of bought and sold as part of that process.
1: Um, you'll know how much uh, reticence there is for, for the reasons that we were just mentioning uh, in our Ireland about the idea of joining. Where is the Swedish public on this? Is this something which is going to be a matter of fierce national debate or given Sweden's involvement in being alongside NATO in many other battlegrounds previously, is this going to be
0: a little easier to get over the line? Yeah, this is very much a consensus society, Gavin. You don't really do anything unless you have pretty much all the people with you, right? But the interesting thing was that as soon as Russia invaded, all of a sudden the opinion polls went in the other direction. So for years there was a majority, if not a huge majority, but a reasonably big majority of people who didn't want to be part of NATO. And that more or less changed, as I said, on the 24th of February. And people went, you know what, that position is now untenable. We're going to have to join NATO. So there is resistance, particularly on the political left, the former Communist Party, now known as the left party here. They're still against joining NATO. But pretty much across the board, there is a consensus that this is the right way, the right thing to do. Centre-right and right-wing parties have long said that they would like to join NATO. They see great benefits from being part of NATO. But the ironic thing is that it will now, hand, uh, it will now happen under a centre-left social democratic government. And they were the ones, you know, going back to the time of Olaf Palme, who would have been against all these uh, international organisations such as NATO.
1: Um, any uh, possible influence
0: by Sweden's fairly significant arms industry in all of this? Uh, I don't think so, because, you know, they've sort of, you know, chugged away there for years. I mean, you you rightly point out that, you know, the likes of Saab and Volvo are very big in the car industry, but they're also very big in terms of making, you know, fighter planes, uh, missile guidance systems, that kind of thing, you know. So they've managed to work somehow, you know, so hand in glove, being part of a neutral nation and yet being part of, you know, this this arms race, being part of providing arms to the rest of the world. So they've kind of gotten away with that. But, you know, I I do think that, you know, other NATO nations will be interested in the opportunities for cooperation that that throws up. But I don't think, you know... I certainly don't think they'll oppose it on one hand.
1: Mm. Uh, interesting times. Uh, Philip O'Connor, a freelance journalist in Stockholm and Sweden, thank you very much for joining us this lunchtime on the record to bring us up to speed on that.
0: On the record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday morning at 11. On News Talk.